Hello and welcome. I'm Olga Hannonen and this is Academia Experience. I'm a researcher at the University of Eastern Finland and I always wanted to popularize science. Knowledge needs to be shared, not buried inside academia. So in Academia Experience, we discuss topical academic phenomena in everyday language to make it more approachable and understandable for everyone. Welcome aboard. Today at Academia Experience, we talk about digital nomad visas to better understand what they are. My guest today is Jan Bernosch, a junior research fellow from the University of Tartu, who studies economics and policy side of digital nomadism. Before we start, it's important to clarify what we understand under digital nomad and digital nomad visas. So the term digital nomad describes uh, highly mobile professionals who perform their work uh, anywhere in the world utilizing digital technologies. And the digital nomad visa is a collective category for a residence permit uh, for these uh, mobile professionals and remote workers uh, that uh, are employed somewhere else uh, other than in the destination country and have sufficient funds to stay in the destination. So Jan, please tell us uh, why is it important to study uh, digital nomad visas? Well, I think um, digital nomadism in itself is uh, a very interesting object of studies. Uh, digital nomads can be seen as this extreme representation of several modern trends, mm -hmm. for example, increasing mobility, uh, the shift to remote work, mm -hmm. increasing precarization of employment and the rise of self-employment and freelancing and so on. So. Uh, digital nomad visas show how uh, nation states are responding to these trends and how the growing populations of digital nomads and of remote workers more broadly can trigger attempts from governments to rethink and redesign some well-established policies, for example, in relation to taxation or migration. Um, so overall, digital nomad visas are a very interesting case of how policymakers uh, adjust to the changing working conditions and new emerging uh, lifestyles. Well, mobile people and digital nomads really uh, make uh, a lot of changes. So how the whole thing started? Uh, Estonia is considered to be one of the first countries, or actually the first country to introduce a digital nomad visa. So is it? Um, it's, it's a funny story. Uh, in a way, yes, Estonia was uh, the first nation, the first country to announce a digital nomad visa program. Uh, as far as I know, they already started working on this in 2018 and they announced implementation uh, to begin in 2019. Uh, however, they officially launched the visa only on the 1st of August 2020, just after the first waves of, uh, of COVID. And at the same time, in June that year, Barbados uh, announced that it's working on its own digital nomad visa, and they fast-tracked the design and implementation of the program and already activated the visa in the second half of July. So they essentially overtook Estonia by just about a week. See, so is there any other countries who've been like among the pioneering ones? Yes, right after Estonia and Barbados, three other um, Caribbean island states also implemented 
uh, digital nomad visas just within uh, two months. So we had this outpour of the first four digital nomad visas between July and September 2020. And then we just saw a cascading increase of digital nomad visas across the globe. Mm, I see. Yeah, the geography is really wide from the Caribbean islands to Estonia. Uh, we also know that many other European countries, also tropical islands and some countries in Southeast Asia, have launched digital nomad visas. So these are uh, geographically and economically very different countries and regions. So one would assume that uh, they also have different strategies in mind uh, when implementing these digital nomad visa policies. Is that the case? Uh, yes, indeed, it's true. Uh, looking at those digital nomad visa pioneers, uh, it is quite clear that Estonia tried to reinforce uh, its position as this go-to place for um, digital entrepreneurs and tech startups. And they implemented the digital nomad visa alongside its well-established e-residency program in this attempt to position Estonia or strengthen its position as um, this very attractive destination for highly skilled, highly mobile, modern uh, workforce. In the case of the Caribbean islands, um, the approach seems to be a bit different. They implemented the digital nomad visas more to address an urgent uh, problem of decreasing um, um, incoming tourists due to COVID uh, lockdowns and restrictions in, in mobility. And in the longer term, uh, digital nomad visas for destinations like the Caribbean uh, islands can be seen as a way to also diversify their tourist uh, product and attract different new segments of, of visitors. So we have the tourism angle, we have the digital entrepreneurship angle, right. but there are also some other uh, interesting approaches. Um, for example, in Malta, the digital nomad visa was implemented alongside its uh, invest, uh, residency by investment program. In Malaysia, the digital nomad visa is linked as a part of a broader digitalization uh, strategy. So Malaysia specifically targets uh, nomads who work in the IT and uh, IT sector and the digital domain. And so indeed those uh, approaches vary. And regarding the geography, it is true that digital nomad visas emerge across uh, many regions from uh, South America to Southern uh, Africa to Southeast Asia. However, we can clearly see by now two um, regions where the concentration of countries with active or announced digital nomad visas is much higher than elsewhere. And these are the Caribbean and uh, Central American region and the European Mediterranean. This is very interesting and uh, these are very different and often contrasting strategies what are behind these uh, digital nomad visas in different countries and regions. So uh, when uh, a country launches and designs uh, a digital nomad visa, can we see a certain unified process in that or are these processes uh, also vary in different countries? 
Um, yes, besides the differences in purpose and uh, strategic goals, they can also vary in design and implementation processes. Um, for example, the level of engagement or proactiveness can be different. Some countries just um, essentially legalize digital nomad stays by uh, changing the migration legislation and do little to go beyond that. Uh, some other countries, we can see that they treat digital nomad visas as a more dedicated strategic um, activity and they support it with some uh, um, promotion and, and marketing efforts um, or they offer some supplementary services for digital nomads or they try to simplify uh, application procedures which are usually quite, quite complicated for uh, traditional uh, longer term visas. Um, visas can also differ in terms of the purpose and length of stay. For example, Aruba offers this just um, three months uh, workation option, which is essentially just extended stay with some uh, element of, of remote work. And some other countries go as far as seeing digital, the digital nomad visa as a way for a long-term residency or even permanent residency. For example, this is the case in Albania or in Thailand, which uh, is offering digital nomads to stay even up to 10 years. Oh, wow. There are a lot of options to choose from. And speaking of which, uh, now the uh, number of countries who offer digital nomad uh, visas um, keep on growing. And um, one uh, can find lists and databases uh, with uh, up to 50 countries, I think, uh, that um, uh, listed there seemingly offering digital nomad visas. But when you have a more precise look, then um, you can find uh, certain uh, visa options that are listed as uh, digital nomad visas, but they are not quite belong to that category. Like, uh, for example, a freelance visa in Germany or golden card in uh, Taiwan. So what do you think about it? Yes, it's a very good point. It's interesting to uh, consider what options digital nomads have in the first place. I can see four. Um, for the first option is to go for one of the digital nomad visas out there that, I, that are specifically targeted at this group. Um, the second option is to choose a country where you can stay visa-free and this um, uh, mostly brings to mind the EU. As EU citizen you can relocate to another country um, without any hassle and without any um, bureaucratic obligations. Uh, the third option is to uh, use tourist visas or um, go to a country which offers tourists uh, visa-free tourist stay for a set um, period of time. These are quasi-legal uh, um, solutions for nomads because usually these arrangements um, specifically forbid um, working um, when you stay in a country under this, uh, this regime. And also digital nomads um, often kind of stretch the rules a bit by engaging in so-called visa runs. This is, uh, for example, well documented in, well, somewhat documented in Bali, in Indonesia. 
So essentially, um, digital nomads leave the country and come back again to renew the, their visa and prolong their, their stay. And then finally, the fourth option, one that you mentioned, uh, are those other visa categories that are not specifically designed for digital nomads, but some digital nomads might uh, fit uh, under these, these rules. Um, so it's important for digital nomads to consider this as one of the option, but it's also important to keep in mind that uh, you might not meet all the requirements under these, these, these visas because they are um, not designed for digital nomads. I see. So when we come uh, and see a list of digital nomad visas, some of these visas actually, uh, this uh, fourth category, are the types of visas that um, can be used by digital nomads but are not the uh, specifically designed digital nomad visa category. Uh, yes, so when I looked at those uh, lists and databases, I found 56 uh, countries that allegedly offered some sort of digital nomad visa. But when I looked closer and uh, dug into the details, I only qualified 36 of those uh, countries as offering the real, true digital nomad visas. And the rest were either announced but not yet activated or um, not explicitly targeted at digital nomads, so those um, freelance visas or passive income visas. I see. Yeah, that's uh, important to differ differentiate and thanks for clarifying this. Um, so, what do you see as uh, the future of digital nomad visas? Well, I think we're going to definitely see more and more digital nomad visas um, emerging in different regions of the world. And I, th I think um, governments and policymakers might also um, consider other policy options to attract and um, and maybe retain those uh, highly mobile, highly skilled uh, workforces, and usually high, high, um, um, with high earnings. It's it's going to be interesting to see how the um, policy responses and the competition for digital nomads shape in the future. Yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, policies uh, are evolving, and countries develop new policies. So it would be interesting to see how. Uh, what, what will be there and how many countries in the end will be offering and designing digital nomad visas. So thank you for sharing your knowledge about digital nomad visas uh, with me and with the audience. And um, we are looking forward to hear more about your research and future research results. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening. Check out Academia Experience elsewhere.